the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Switching to a merit-based immigration system. Let's talk about it with our with our guest today. Ruben Navarrete Jr., the most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist, contributor to FoxNews.com, offers analysis and commentary on various TV networks and is a valued pal of mine. You see his offerings at various publications around the country and the great state of Texas, too. Uh, Houston Chronicle and the Democrat Morning News among them. Ruben, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Chris, my friend, yesterday I was on a radio interview with um, Fox News Radio and he said, you know, Hispanics uh, come to this country and they don't assimilate. And it's <laughs> funny because here, here you have a guy named Salcedo and Navarrete on radio. We're doing this interview in, in English because neither one of us could do it in Spanish. So there. Well, I, I, and again, uh, I'm third generation, so that there's a, there's a little bit yeah, that has something to do with that. And, uh, yeah. But at any so there's, rate... There, uh, there's that big misnomer. They, they really don't know uh, us as well as they think they do. Well, you know, and that, but see, that's the thing, and that's, we're going to get it to talk. To, this is the substance of everything. The, the rules have changed since our families came over three generations ago. Uh, and I, I think what are you, you're, uh, you're third generation too, aren't you? So on the you know, California side, third generation. On the Texas side, my mom's side, about fifth generation. Yeah, uh, okay, and well. I would, I would say you've you got much more an aggressive attempt by media companies and beer companies and everybody to sell us products in Spanish. So people have, have gotten confused. They drive to work. Uh, or down to 635, they see a Spanish billboard, and they say, aha, Hispanics aren't assimilating. I always tell people, don't, don't blame the fish for the bait, okay? Well, These you know, and I can't, hey, I don't, I don't blame private businesses for wanting to go after that market. I never have. But I do blame government for forcing us to push one for English. I do blame government for uh, the, the, the forms printed in triplicate because uh, they can't get their act together and make English and the see, official language, the, the, the language see, of agree, commerce. I agree with you. All those things that have confused yeah. people and led them to believe that somehow we're not learning English, that that's separate and apart. What government and business do is separate and apart from the fact that English always prevails. Hispanics do assimilate. And again, the joke is here we are, Salcedo and Navarrete. We couldn't do this show in Spanish. Yeah. Let's talk about the proposal that's being offered by two Republican senators and endorsed by the president of the United States. This merit based system. Now, I got to tell you, Rube, I had I was engaged by m- members of the left who accused our country if we adopted the system of being a racist country. So that means that Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and others who use a merit-based system are also racist. But uh, one Democrat who was engaging me on Twitter said, oh, no, no, they're they're not racist. It's only because Trump is here. That's what makes it racist. It reminds me, it reminds me of that ACLU lawyer who said that the, the temporary ban from six countries uh, was unconstitutional only because Trump was doing it. If Obama had done it, if Hillary Clinton had done it, or if right. uh, uh, George Bush had done it, it would have been constitutional. Right. But it was Trump that made it unconstitutional. Right. So, I mean, this double standard really, really stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you've got, I mean, you and I know we've talked about this before. I'm a thousand percent in your camp on that, the double standard, the fact that we in the press are so much harder on Trump on all these issues than we were. Uh, you know, with Clinton on immigration or Obama on the war on terror. I got it. But I don't want to talk about whether this is racist or not. I want to talk about the fact that the reason I don't like this legislation, I think it's dreadful legislation, is because it's two other ist words. It's not, aside from being whether or not it's racist or not, it's protectionist. It seems like it was written by the, the working class of the ACLU, uh, excuse me, yeah, the, the FLCIO, the AFL-CIO, the uh, labor movement, it says basically the reason people in Ohio don't have jobs isn't because they've made poor choices, didn't leave Youngstown and got on drugs. 
Uh, but no, the reason they don't have jobs is because immigrants are coming in taking these jobs. When Tom Cotton says that he wrote this bill because he thinks immigration policies should exist to improve a lot of American workers, that sounds an awful lot like a blue-collar Democrat up in the Rust Belt states, and I don't like it. Okay, let me let me offer a counter view here, because I I understand because I I have a financial services background. I understand that uh, markets matter and market forces matter, and if you have a commodity like oil, and there's a whole bunch of oil in the market, the prices are going to drop. If you have a commodity like corn, and it's there's a whole bunch of corn, there's a surplus of corn in the market, the prices are going to drop. Labor is the same principle. You have too much labor, the prices will drop, and that's what the Trump administration says. Well, that's 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 not that's not good policy. So we're not going to do that. There's a difference here. But when you're dealing with corn or you know, cattle futures, these are inanimate objects. But when you're dealing with human beings, human beings can make good or bad choices, and and on the construction business, for instance, I was fighting with somebody yesterday from the construction field. Construction workers in Dallas, Texas, want to make $50 an hour. They want to uh, have time and a half. They want to have two pensions when they retire, one from the company, one from the, the union that represents them. They, they price themselves out of the market, and then they complain when somebody else does the job for less money. Construction workers want to be paid like they're doctors and lawyers. They didn't go to school for that, but they want to be paid that way. And this is what really bothers me about what Cotton says. It is not the job of immigration policy to make sure that my good-for-nothing brother-in-law up in Illinois, okay, who graduated only from high school, didn't go to college, never had any training, made bad choices, got on drugs, somehow we carry him along. We carry him along, and we push him along, and we create a subsidy for him because he's made bad choices and has a screwed-up life. No way. That's not the purpose of the immigration policy. That sounds like crazy Democrats up in the Rust Belt state. Republicans should not be talking this way. Well, again, and I think you and I have had this discussion before about uh, about – overhead that american citizens have that 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 foreign-born citizens do not have many of their countries do not have entitlement states because many of their countries don't give a damn about their people so they they are willing to work for far less money because they don't have homes and families and high taxes to pay that these these money don't get don't don't get hung up on the less money it's also the fact that immigrants have since the beginning of time whether we're talking about the irish italians the jews or the germans they've always worked harder than the people who are here Indians, people come from India, they come legally, they come from China, they come legally, they play by the rules. I've been told for 20 years, I have been lied to by the Republican Party for 20 years, and they told me, hey, we have no beef with legal immigrants, it's only illegal immigrants, stop confusing the two. Well, this week I found out that was all a lie, that people have wanted to do away with legal immigrants who play by the rules, and that's not right. This, this that's two different discussions. What we're talking about is legal immigration reform, which which I have always said, and you have even agreed with me, needs reform. And and we yeah, also have an illegal immigration down, problem. Down. Hold on. Let, let, let me finish. Let me finish. We have two separate problems, an illegal immigration problem and a legal immigration problem. Our legal immigration problem is that we're operating on an antiquated over 50 year old system that doesn't recognize modern America, modern technology and the modern circumstances we find ourselves in. It is pure idiocy to rely on a 50 or 60 year old immigration a legal immigration system that needs serious reform and to pretend that everything is the same today as it was 60 years ago it's insane yeah yeah and here's here's where i agree with you but this is not the right remedy the right remedy is to move away from family reunification as one of the primary uh, motives for driving your legal immigration policy but not to go to a merit-based system where getting into the united states is like getting into harvard or yale 
We should not. That's be not. That's that's a gross. That's not, a gross mischaracterization. No, no, we, should not be, we should not. We should not have a Canadian type point system that uh, rewards people for higher education, for more skills, for speaking English, for all these things that we never measured when we were talking about Germans or Italians or Irish. And I'll tell you why, Chris. Because when you recruit people into the United States from these other places, as shows throughout our history, they come here with nothing, no ability to speak the language. They fall in love with the country. They become a dead to the country. Their kids go off and loyally serve our country and fight our wars. But when you recruit people from China and India or wherever, and they have these PhDs, they can go to our country or anywhere else, and they come to this, this country, the United States, like they're doing us a favor, like they're doing us a favor. The entire mindset is different. The tradition I want to preserve is the, the one that drove Italian immigrants here unable to speak the language, fell in love with the country, and they look back and they say, everything I have, I owe to the United States. Not that I came here already as a pre-packaged entity, uh, and I owe nothing to this country. That's completely the wrong model. Well, well and again, I, I got to disagree because, again, back to my original point, America is different than it was during the Irish immigration wave, during the Italian immigration wave. Let me play a soundbite by, by Charles Krauthammer, who I think really exemplified what it is we're talking about here. Listen to this. I, I love the hypocrisy of the liberals who are so shocked by this. People who sort of swoon over Canada's uh, progressivism with its national health care and its uh, matinee star liberal prime minister who want him to be the leader here. All of a sudden, when the U.S. proposes essentially the Canadian system, the merit-based system, are shocked at how mean and racist it is. This is a no-brainer. We, here's the analogy. The United States is the place everybody wants to go, every immigrant. You find somebody on a raft on the South China Sea, where they want to go, United States. We have the top 100 draft picks of the NBA, and instead we choose to pick people randomly out of the Karachi phone book. And, and what he's saying is, if you had a choice between, and, and Ruben, I, before you even came on, I, I, I posited this to the audience. If you have a choice of somebody that's going to come in and, and put in a pool or put in a sprinkler system in your yard, and you, here's a guy that shows up and says, hey, I have no skill, I have no skill whatsoever, hire me, I'll do it for you. And other guy says, here, I've got 10 years experience, uh, let me do it for you. Who are you going to hire? Who are you going to hire? Yeah. And, and I think that the same principle holds for the United States and our immigration policy. Hold, hold that thought. Why is, it there, why is it there this expectation that America is a jobs training program for the world? So, Rube, take it. Okay, so you played a clip beforehand from my Washington Post colleague, uh, Charles Krautheimer. There's 20 writers in the writers group. Charles is one. I'm one. Here's the thing. I know more about, I've forgotten more about the immigration debate over 25 years of writing about it than Charles Krautheimer and George Will put together, okay? Because you cannot understand the immigration debate from their vantage point in Washington, D.C. I covered it from Dallas, Texas for five years, two years in Phoenix, 12 years in San Diego along the border. And what they don't understand, and what Charles doesn't understand in that comment, is that you're not running, you know, the Harvard admissions program where you simply look at the people who are, quote, most qualified. He doesn't understand that the definition of skills also includes the willingness to do a job. That when I was living in Richardson and I'd see people on 110 degrees on, in July and there were guys tarring the roof and there were, those were jobs that Americans were not doing. When I was in downtown Dallas and they had Latino immigrants on scaffolding going up to Bank One Tower and, and, and really cleaning the windows way up there, way up high when Americans wouldn't do those jobs, that's a skill set as well. Also, he's never been out in the fields. He's never been out, as I have, out to cover you know, farmers and farm workers, he'd find out that those jobs are a lot more skill-oriented than he realizes. So people from Washington, D.C., really, when they talk about immigration, really speak from a position of ignorance. They don't understand this issue. 
uh, as well as the folks who live out in the Southwest. Well, and I'll offer a counter to that. Uh, it, it is not that these individuals are doing jobs that Americans won't do. These individuals are doing jobs Americans won't do at that particular price, at that particular yeah, wage. Num- that's, number that's, one. That's not true. Number, that's, well, that's hold on. I, I let you. I let you go. So let me just provide my counter here. Also, again, the times are changing. I do recognize that we have the construction industry that is heavily reliant on illegal alien labor. I understand that we have, uh, and also immigrant labor. I also understand that we have uh, the agriculture industry that's, that's, that's heavily dependent on these. But there are other industries that are high-tech. There are other industries like Walt Disney. There are other industries that are, that are using these H-1B visas to be able to bring in cheaper labor, have Americans train the replacement, and then fire the Americans to save on the bottom line. And many Americans are saying, that's just not right. And importing the best and the brightest used to be a concept that Americans coveted. And now, as as Charles Krauthammer uh, uh, puts it, we're we're choosing from the Karachi phone book as as if that's somehow meritorious. And it is not. It is bad for the country. Yeah, see, it's a poor analogy. Nobody goes to the phone book to find these people. These people come here on their own from China, from Pakistan, from India. Again, legally. They come legally. They follow the rules. We said you have to follow the rules. They do. Now we're changing the rules and saying, oh, that doesn't count anymore. You know, these are well, people what's who wrong have with that? to come here. Well, what's wrong on. with it's that? Not just, well, let me, you just let me, I'll let you talk, let me talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sir Charles, the whole idea of the, of the phone book, this really shows you how ignorant, you know, the perspective is from Washington on immigration. The people who come here, whether it be from India, China, whatever, they actually vote with their feet. They're not just sitting there in the phone book. We pick names out and say, you're coming here. They have an initiative that I drive. The whole point about that you mentioned before about how the big lie is somehow they would do these jobs. Americans would do these jobs. Those kids working at Starbucks would gladly go out and tar the roofs out in Richardson at 110 degrees if you paid them enough money. One, I've heard, well, I've heard from Americans who said they'll go out and pick peaches or lettuce for $1,000 a week. Okay? Nobody's going to pay a lettuce picker more than a first-year teacher makes, nor should we. We have a completely exaggerated sense as Americans of our self-worth and our value. I've had people call up. Uh, radio shows and say they want landscaping jobs that were advertised for 50 bucks an hour and it turns out they don't have no landscaping experience americans do not suffer from low self-esteem but we suffer oftentimes from low skills and low talent but we really think we're entitled to these things because we won the birth lottery and we're born in this country through no help no benefit of our own no credit to our own we, you know mom had us here so all of a sudden we're american citizens and then we think we can go through life somehow with a sense of entitlement it's crazy yeah, there's no there's no sense of entitlement, but there you do expect your government to work in your best interest. And and the, the question I posited to you is, is the rules are changing. It, it, it is not yeah. incumbent upon the United States of America to keep the rules the same to meet other countries needs and uh, people oh, from other countries needs. So what I'm going to yeah. suggest to you is that since the founding of this country, our immigration policies have changed and they've changed commensurate with what the economy needs and what the United States right. needs. And now we are deciding that we need to have people in here that can contribute to the economy right away who are not drawing from the system. We're stopping chain migration. We don't let the green card recipient bring in his grandmother who immediately gets on public assistance. We don't allow the chain... Hold hold on, let me finish. We don't allow the chain migration guy bring in uh, children who immediately get into... uh, uh, that are not producing anything, who immediately get into the school system uh, and and start drawing on the system. That's that's We're changing that dynamic. We can't afford it anymore. You have no idea what's going on outside your window in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas, in the Metroplex, you're telling me that when people come here, regardless of how they get here, when they work, into, when they work in restaurants and construction fields, 
They're not contributing somehow to society. They're not making money for that company, making money for themselves, spending their paychecks in the community. One of the reasons Dallas, understand this, the one of the reasons that Dallas, Fort Worth, and the Metroplex in Houston, Texas are relatively recession-proof has always been because of immigrant labor, because you have such a big, strong immigrant population there. To think somehow these people who get up early and work late and contribute and pay taxes, and yes, they do pay taxes, a variety of them, including if they're here illegally, they pay sales tax and property taxes and payroll taxes they're never going to get back. This idea somehow that Dallas owes its prosperity to only native-born people who live in Texas is just ludicrous. It's not true. I live there. It's not, I it's not at all. It's not at all what we're saying. You're in it's denial. not. A, it's not at all what the policy says. The policy says that we're going to start getting people that. with a bigger economic impact. That again, and you and you made my point perfectly. We're going to have a bigger economic impact. Those who we bring in will have higher paying jobs, higher tax base, so they can start generating revenue not only for the government but also for the local economies. A lot more than the jobs that you mentioned. Well, I like the fact that you've, moder- you've moderated it now. You've modified it to bigger contribution as opposed to no contribution at all. But I will agree with you. That I didn't say no. I didn't say no contribution. I just okay. look. And, and yeah, there's well, one more. Just, I, I've only got about two minutes, and I wanted to get into one more aspect uh, of yeah. this of this debate because some who are opposing this are calling one of the provisions an English only provision. You understand right. that 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 is that that is not what this bill does, right? Yeah, English should not be a part of this discussion. That was really a problem. No, 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 that wasn't my question. You, un- you understand that English only is not what this provision says, right? I understand that English only laws and English first and official English laws are completely different from what we're talking about here. But I also right. understand that we've never required that people come here already speaking English. The assumption was that they would learn English once we're not required. Requ- this bill doesn't. Hold on. I, I can't. Th- this bill does not require that either. What English does provide is a higher point value on this point right, system. Right. So that so yeah, so an, an immigrant can have all sure. of the other uh, high scores and all the other ones, uh, all the other criteria, and then get in. English isn't that. necessarily an eliminating factor. I understand that, Chris. I understand that Jeff Sessions, uh, the Attorney General of the Justice Department, said this week he wants to do away with affirmative action in higher education. But now we're talking about a higher uh, affirmative action for English speakers. We're giving them a preference in the system. And so there's more of that dichotomy. There are more contradictions on part of this very confused administration. They want affirmative action for some people, but not for others. I get the point. I would agree with you that we have to change the system. It should be more demand-driven. If we need nurses, don't recruit doctors. If we need teachers, don't recruit pharmacists. Bring in what we need, you know, in family reunification. But this thing, this merit-based system is wrong, and it's going to create more problems because this is not the Harvard Admissions Office. The United States of America is bigger than that. All right, Ruben Abadetta Jr., a spirited debate, my friend. Most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist, contributor over there at foxnews.com, and you've seen him in various publications all over our great land. You have a great weekend, sir, and we'll find out what the folks think about it. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.